0: Welcome to Brainstorium. I'm Anna Tizard, award-winning dream punk and deeply weird fantasy author. And yes, that's me and my fiction that's deeply weird. Explore and imagine with me the most unexpected story ideas using the surrealist word game of Exquisite corpse. Find out more and join in at annatizard.com. This is a storytelling challenge unlike anything you've tried before. I'm Anna Tizard and this is episode 38 of Brainstorium. In the last show, I tried out something a little bit different. I focused just on the story brainstorms and made extra liberal use of the pause button. In fact, I used the stop button a few times so I could step back from recording and spend more time on brainstorming ideas from each word game result. I had so much fun doing this and I think it made a difference. I was able to delve deeper and explore a lot more. So, I'm going to do it again. But first, I have some exciting announcements. Regular listeners and email subscribers will know that I've been editing a collection of short stories all inspired by the weird word magic of Exquisite Corpse and this collection is to be the third volume in my series, The Book of Exquisite Corpse. The first two books are novellas so this will be the first anthology of short stories based on the game results. Subscribers to my deeply weird email list will also already know because my subscribers always get to hear about these things first, that the title of the book is going to be Portals and Immortals. And I'm really excited. The manuscript is with my editor at the moment, which is slightly nerve wracking. And I've also instructed Emily at Emily's world of design to do a cover which is always super exciting. The release date of the book is 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Although there's no actual connection in the stories to Guy Fawkes, but it's a good enough date for me. But if that seems a little long to wait, I will be releasing a limited edition ebook of the first story in the collection, as a sort of preview and taster of what's to come. The story is actually the longest one in the collection, almost a mini book on its own, and it's called The Cat and the Shadows. This story is about a cat demon who turns up in a garden centre to rescue an unhappy young man from his drab and desperate life and his horrible boss who bullies him with bizarre and terrifying consequences. The exquisite corpse that inspired The Cat and the Shadows was the frayed Nekomata, which is a cat demon in Japanese folklore, protected the loving leaf blower. So I interpreted leaf blower as a person who wields a leaf blower, which is our downtrodden protagonist called Doug who works in a garden centre. A big thank you to Paul Benfield, Andy, Mariah, and T.F. Burke for suggesting the words that were randomised into this bizarre sentence, and which first inspired me to write this story. You can, of course, hear the story's inception, if you haven't already, uh, on episode 32 of Brainstorium on whatever platform you're listening on. Now do stick around for the end of today's show because I will give you details of how you can get hold of your free copy of this limited edition ebook because it's only going to be available for a short time in October. You'll have to get in there quickly. But for now, let's see what new story ideas will emerge from, the socks. Of destiny let's see and of course an exquisite corpse um, mixes together words and phrases into a sentence that goes describing word noun action describing word noun. and you can send me words at anatizar.com on the play page and our first word of the day is from Paul Benfield, one of the regulars, hungry. Okay, oh, that's a good start. Our characters must always want something at the beginning of a story. It's just whether or not they can get it. And let's try for a noun, if I can get my hand out. (laughs) This is from uh, McConnell Erin an online ID and about to retire tax inspector. Ooh, (laughs) he's hungry apparently. Um, mm, That's interesting. Erin has managed to squeeze in a bit of description here without actually interfering with the describing word. Very unusual. Let's bring out an action. This is from Robin the mail lady towards. Okay, let's get our next describing word, and that is from Sophie Longley, and it's adorable. <laughs> oh, I need to know what's going to come next. What or who is adorable? Our final noun for this exquisite corpse is from Elena Dennison <laughs> gravedigger <laughs> okay so let's let's look at the entire exquisite corpse. It is <laughs> the hungry about to retire tax inspector crept towards the adorable gravedigger ooh. Okay, I'm not going to tell you when I'm stopping this recording, by the way, I'm just going to stop it randomly and come back and you can just guess where those moments are. So initially, I want to look at the action because actually, crept towards is a great action because there are lots of reasons why someone would creep towards someone or something but it always implies secrets or a desire to be secretive. So just thinking initially of the different reasons why you might creep towards an object. Um, For example, you might want to steal that object or just have a look at it. Or it could be something so repulsive that you can't help but be fixated by it and you hesitantly step closer, unable to take your eyes off it. So that's less secretive, more horrified, or with a sort of twisted fascination. If our protagonist is creeping towards a person rather than an object, then they're most likely to want to frighten them, harm them, or possibly even kill them. So, Crypt Towards on its own is a great writing prompt if you just brainstorm all the possibilities that excite your imagination, just considering what that phrase might imply. But let's have a look at what other clues this whole exquisite corpse gives us. The hungry, about to retire tax inspector creps towards the adorable grave digger. (laughs) Oh gosh, I think I'm going to have to pour my green tea already, so... Let's just have a little moment here. Give this a bit of a a stir first. Right. That'll have to do for now. Okay. So, I'd say I'm I'm instantly drawn actually to the most difficult part of this, the adorable grave digger. It's like a knot I want to untangle. What could possibly be adorable about a grave digger? They could be very good looking, I suppose, but unless we're writing something with romance in it, that might seem a bit by the by. So okay, what might be potentially adorable other than children or baby animals? I find myself thinking about fairy tales because they're full of creatures that might be adorable or might be deadly, or even a bit of both. A bit of both is more interesting in my opinion. I'm definitely looking at this exquisite corpse literally as it does feel like a literal one. And in in general, the types of books and stories I most love to read and to write are ones that are set in the real world and where magic or the impossible encroaches upon that world, changing the lives of the usually quite ordinary characters. And here we have the two worlds emerging from the two sides of the exquisite corpse, a potentially otherworldly being as this Gravedigger who's somehow adorable. I think we're going to have to be creative with that bit. And on the real world side, a tax inspector who's just about to retire. She's hungry, and that feels ordinary as well. It may just be a detail and an everyday sensation of being hungry, but it could be part of the reason why she's come here to a graveyard. Well, Maybe she's just in the park because she needs somewhere quiet to finally eat her sandwich, away from the busy streets and the manic office where perhaps she's not looking forward to her retirement as much as she thought. Maybe she's single, doesn't have much family, and the idea of being on her own a lot more is starting to worry her. She hasn't really planned for this moment as well as she meant to. I feel like it needs to be dusk in the park. She is very late getting to her sandwich because that's when human eyesight tends to weaken and it's harder to be sure of what you're seeing. And as she sits on the bench, which is freezing, it's about four o'clock in January, which in the UK would be either dark or getting dusky. And just through the trees over there she sees a figure moving. He's got a large shovel and he seems to be digging. Isn't that a graveyard just beyond the trees? There's no one else around. For a second, she stops chewing, almost chokes, as his face turns her way. Just a blurred, pale oval between the tree trunks, but his skin glows almost like moonlight. And though he's too far away for her to really see his eyes, she feels his stare bore into her. A cold sensation trickles like water down her spine. She's seen something she shouldn't have, something forbidden, not for human eyes. A half human, half something else, a fairy perhaps, is digging a grave. But is he digging up someone previously buried or digging a fresh grave for one of his kind. And what's caused our protagonist, this tax inspector, to be able to see him? Something's made her perceptions sensitive, able to cross an invisible boundary that's normally there in the daytime, and which usually prevents humans from seeing or hearing any glimpse of this other world that exists cheek to cheek with this one. Is it something to do with her hunger or with dusk, that in-between time, or a bit of both? In which case, why is the half-human creature taking such a risk, digging a grave at this time when he might be spotted? There's a story behind that too. What's led him to this act of desperation? And is our about-to-retire tax inspector now in danger having witnessed something she shouldn't have. So many questions. This is a very good start. Each question opens up a new possibility, a new potential direction for the story. And every person that decides to explore this story idea, as you might do, will answer it in a different way which questions are going to form the mystery which unfolds for our readers. That will also affect how you approach and structure the story once you've got writing and have begun to explore all these possibilities. Not bad for a start. I think it's time for our second exquisite course. She'll bring forth the socks of destiny. So our first word is from McConnell Erin, again, petulant. Okay, next word is from Paul Benfield. Once more, silence. Ooh, a petulant silence. Right, let's try for an action phrase. This is from Sophie Longley. Welcome to the game, Sophie. Uh, Run for the bus to collect. It's an interesting one. Let's try for another describing word. This is from Stephanie Dargon-Lucha. Fabulous. (laughs) Okay. And then our final word of the Exquisite Corpse. Is from Paul Benfield again. <laughs> decision. Ooh, okay. So we have all together <laughs> the petulant silence ran for the bus to collect <laughs> the fabulous decision. <laughs> okay, I'm really glad I'm using the stop button again. I'm really going to need it for this one. Okay, so it initially sounds like a psychological progression from petulant silence to a positive decision, a fabulous decision, from sulking or uncertainty to a resolution. The petulant bit makes me think the protagonist's situation is about something he or she really doesn't want to do, but then a change happens or they get an idea which triggers a fabulous decision that involves running for the bus. <laughs> of course it does, because the petulant silence ran for the bus to collect the fabulous decision. Hmm. What might be a difficult decision to make which then involves getting somewhere by a tight deadline? So you have to run for the bus. This on its own is not a bad writing prompt if we just consider some of the possibilities. How about a job interview for a pressured role? Something our protagonist really didn't want to take on board but might have to for financial reasons. Or on the other side, a boring or low paid job if he or she has just been fired or made redundant and they don't have many options at the moment. What changes their mind? Another idea is an audition. Someone who's disappointed they didn't get the starring role in a play, which made them petulant and silent. And they've been offered one of the smaller parts, which at first they really don't want to take but then something changes their mind. But these are quite ordinary situations in a way, and how to bring about some suspense and intrigue into either of these situations. Also, how do you collect a decision on a bus? (laughs) I think I need to focus on that for a moment. Could it be a chance meeting on a bus or an overheard conversation that changes our protagonist's mind. The petulant mood makes me think that he ran for the bus in the rain. It's a rainy, windy day, a type of day that turns your umbrella inside out and no matter how good your raincoat, the wet still gets in and you're drenched. It suits our main character's mood. He's sulking in a petulant silence since he's been dumped as well as not getting the part he wanted. Let's just lay it on thick. (laughs) I like the idea that he's an actor. I mean, we had an office worker in the previous one, so let's just go with this. So on the bus, he overhears a conversation about another play, or maybe something a bit different, a charity fashion show. A fabulous decision makes me think of fashion. As he listens to these two friends talking, uh, well, strangers to him, a decision is brewing inside him. Can he really just butt in and interrupt their conversation to ask if they're looking for models? He chews on his lip. The conversation peters out and both people are staring out of the window at the smears of lashing rain. Is it their stop soon? If he doesn't ask them now, he might lose this chance forever. So he makes a fabulous decision by asking them. So sorry to interrupt. He says, despite the fact that they've actually stopped talking, I couldn't help overhearing. You've got this fashion show. I'm an actor, not professional or anything, but then what? You could treat this as the beginning of a story where any number of things might happen next. He might fall in love with one of the show organizers. He might get more involved in the show itself and even learn how to sew. He makes new friends. He makes new enemies. He discovers a passion for fashion, but perhaps there's a darker side to be discovered. The conflict must come out. Maybe we could pursue the theme of overheard conversations. A lot of gossip goes on in this church hall where it's being held, and as there are so many fold-out screens for people to get changed behind, maybe the opportunities are just too good. He gets a bit hooked on eavesdropping. Or perhaps it's a gray area, at least the one time that he got there early um, and was getting changed behind a screen, and two people burst in, in the middle of, of a massive argument, So he figured it was best to keep himself scarce and pretend he wasn't there, but then he heard too much. What's going on? Some scandal? Blackmail? What if something dodgy is going on with the charity that this show is for? Embezzlement? Fraud? Something else? Was it such a fabulous decision after all? Let's try. One last exquisite corpse. Right. First word is from McConnell Erin again. <laughs> Very good at beginnings. Melancholic. Hmm. Let's get a noun out. This is from Paul Thomas, another regular. Oh. Sarcophagus. So that's a kind of stone coffin that's usually sculptured or, sorry, sculpted or inscribed and often associated with um, sort of ancient societies like uh, ancient Egypt, Rome or Greece. Ooh, and this one is a melancholic one. Well, it kind of fits, doesn't it? Okay, so we have. This is from Mariah, our uh, action, frowned at, okay. Next word is from Robin the mail lady, mesmerizing, okay. And finally, I'm not gonna think about it until I've got the whole exquisite course out this is from me. Door handle. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so altogether we have the melancholic sarcophagus frowned at the mesmerizing door handle. Oh no, it's the dead trying to escape. Oh wait, no, that doesn't, doesn't quite make sense because It's the sarcophagus that houses the body, not the body inside it, that frowns at the mesmerizing door handle. I love the idea of a mesmerizing door handle. I think I want one for Christmas. Of course, my first instinct is to think about portals because as you know, I'm fairly obsessed with them, but maybe I should step outside my comfort zone and try something else since this is such an experimental show. I'm also thinking about how a sarcophagus is decorative, either painted or with sort of sculptures carved into it. And it feels like jealousy when it's frowning at a door handle that's somehow mesmerizing. (laughs) Might this be a decorative door handle with a lion's face carved into it, very proud looking, made of brass, although it hasn't been polished in some time. Is this a door to a mausoleum? One of those standalone little buildings that house coffins where sarcophagi or the sculptures that are carved into them may dream of the outside world, the world of the living. It gets me in the mood for thinking about gargoyles and grotesques, the funny characters that you find carved into old buildings and fountains and especially churches. But if you've read The Empty Danger, which is the first book in my series, that's about gargoyles, although they're handmade ones from clay which come alive in that story. But I do like the idea of stone creatures, ancient stone creatures, have been there a long time, coming alive. I'm going to pause and come back. Here we go. Inside the mausoleum, all was swallowed in shadow. The door handle swivelled. A bent figure stood silhouetted against the early morning mist. He produced a candle from his pocket, lit it and shuffled inside. All was as it should be the sarcophagus lay in cold ancient silence, reassuringly large and solid. The old man's breath wavered out for a moment as thick as the mist outside. His candle flame fluttered and he covered it with his hand. The amber light danced over the sarcophagus and the cobwebbed walls. Stepping closer, the old man set down his candle on the thick edge of the coffin and knelt to begin his daily prayer. But as he did so, his gaze fell on the stone angel carved into the sarcophagus's lid. As the candle wavered, shadows slid over the contours of its face. A smile, sudden and unnatural. No, the old man wheezed, it can't be. The edge of the angel's wing eased away from the stone lid with a crack and the creature was wriggling, squirming to sit up. The old man staggered back, his candle sputtering as he gasped. You're meant to guard her body for all eternity. You were made for this purpose. The angel smiled horribly. But I have seen the light. The day before, around lunchtime, an unassuming man in a grey overcoat came by to carry out a routine check, or so he called it. The cemetery manager checked her laptop and found his name in the calendar, although she couldn't recall having booked any maintenance. But, she supposed, her colleague might have organized someone and he was on holiday. And there was the man's name on the screen where it should be. She handed him the key to the mausoleum on plot B2 and didn't notice the glint in his pocket. It was just a door handle replacement. Where was the harm in that? Ooh, I'm feeling rather Gothic. Is this something to do with autumn? There's a lot to unpack here. Who is the old man who visits and prays at this sarcophagus every day and why? Who is the dead person or monster who is buried and guarded by a stone carving, an angel figure designed to keep the monster quiet. Well, maybe I'll write it and find out. Of course, there's lots more that could be explored with the mesmerizing door handle on its own. Such a great phrase. The storytelling possibilities are endless when it comes to portals, as you can choose who your characters are and what situations they're in, on both sides of that portal. I do like the idea of an ordinary door or an only slightly different or decorative door that could be imbued with magic. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, before I go, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, The limited edition of The Cat and the Shadows, which is a sort of short story preview of my upcoming collection, Portals and Immortals, will only be available for a short time during October. Two weeks, that's all. Now, because of the timings of when I release this show and when I'm buzzing around trying to finish off editing and formatting and so on, the release date of The Cat and the Shadows is TBC, but if all goes to plan, it's most likely to release on the weekend of the 7th and 8th of October between Brainstorium shows. And there will be a secret link on my webpage for you to go to in order to download the book. Um, And it's not gonna be available anywhere else because while it's free, it's only for people in the know like yourself. will get to enjoy it. Limited edition in more than one way. So if you wait until the next Brainstorium show, which is due for release on the 14th of October, because it's fortnightly, the timing will be a little bit tight because if the story does release the weekend before that, you will only have one week left to go to that secret page and download it. But, subscribers to my private email list always get to hear about these things first. So if you'd like to be first in the queue, please subscribe, if you haven't already, at anathisart.com. When subscribing, make sure you check your email immediately afterwards because the confirm button, which you receive straight away, normally ends up in your spam folder. And the process doesn't complete until you go into your spam and click confirm. Once you've confirmed, you get the first book in my series for free, plus an exclusive short story not published anywhere else. And I only write emails once or twice a month. So I'm not the type to go jamming up people's inboxes. That's not my style. But you'll also be the first to hear about anything I do writing wise, including the the release of the cat and the shadows. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show and it's given you some inspiration for your own writing. Until next time, go forth and be inspired. I hope you enjoyed today's brainstorming. You can find out more about Exquisite Corpse and my series The Book of Exquisite Corpse at annatizard.com. Subscribe to my e-newsletter and you'll get volume one for free. And while you're there, why not submit a few words to the Socks of Destiny on my play page? You may inspire me or inspire yourself to write a unique new story. See you next time.